Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus dot ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA 1610AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either soundcloud.com or iTunes under podcasts under Mediation Station. We have a Twitter account which is at Fenton Mediation, so make sure to follow us. Our topic tonight is called Student Legal Aid Services Societies, supporting the community with options with our visitor Richard Teicher and Dana Rotenberg. If you want to give us a call tonight, you can do so at 416-785-0680. And uh, you don't have to give your name. It's okay. We'll respect. Maybe Richard's family is going to be calling in and saying something. <laughs> well, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> well, thanks, Greg. You doing okay, both of you? Doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for inviting us. And I appreciate you uh, going to share and educate us about student legal aid societies in Toronto. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. It's an exciting topic. So how about uh, one of you, it doesn't matter who starts, share a bit of uh, information about your professional backgrounds. Sure, I can start, Greg. Um, my uh, professional background probably starts with my education, and I did an uh, undergraduate uh, degree in psychology from New York. And then I followed that up with a master's degree in social work from the University of Toronto. Um, then I went on to uh, law school at the University of Windsor and a graduate degree uh, at the University of Ottawa in law. Um, then I got my call to the bar and have spent the last 18 years uh, practicing family law exclusively, uh, the last four of which has been at the SLAS, at uh, Downtown Legal Services. Okay. How about you? So I... Uh, completed my undergrad at University of Guelph in Women's Studies and Philosophy, not <laughs> potentially the most employable fields, but here I am. And I went to law school at Osgoode Hall, and while I was at Osgoode, I was a student at CLASP, Community and Legal Aid Services Program, which is where I now work. I loved it. I wanted to return, but I ended up going into family law for a long time. CLASP did not offer family law services and so when I saw the job posting and I found out legal aid was going to be funding family law I jumped on it and I'm back at class now and I've been there since uh, oh goodness maybe 2014. So what was your pathway to becoming a lawyer and why did you you both focus on family stuff rather than other areas of you know conflict in the world? Well I, I can tell you um, uh, you know I've always been interested in working with people and uh, so as a, as a social worker, that's uh, very much what you do. And uh, even uh, when I went to law school, I knew that uh, the corporate field was nothing I was interested in. I, I had to be in an area of law where I was dealing with people, working with people, helping people. And um, pretty much from the beginning, I thought that was going to be family law for me. So uh, I, I knew fairly early on, and I haven't, I haven't changed my mind, you know, 20 years later. I, I still think, uh, you know, that's the place to be for me. Well, you know, for me, I, I have a warped sense of humor, and I noticed something about you. There's a similar pattern with you, 
So was there an opportunity that you ever wanted to be a comedian? Uh, no, although my, my brother, who is a lawyer, was voted funniest lawyer with a day job uh, in the city of Toronto. That wasn't in the way he presented himself, though, was it? No, no, that, that was based on his stand-up comedy outside of the office. Not, it, not in the courtroom. Not in the courtroom, no. So, Dana? Um, so, I have a similar answer. I wanted to work with people closely and with clients. I had friends who went into law and they had never, you know, they worked for the same client for years and they'd never met their client in person, just exchanged emails. And I, that's, um, that's what they enjoyed, but I need the, uh, more of the interaction with the client. Uh, and I ended up, I didn't know I wanted to go into family law, but I ended up my first job after class was working at a firm who had done a lot of work. Uh, in the fight for same-sex marriage in Canada and that was so interesting to me and so I gravitated towards that and that's what got me into family law. And so, you know, y you guys obviously have a passion for the work you do. I think we do. Mm -hmm. It's fair to say? Yeah. It is fair to say. And so there's a strong commitment to the kind of work that you do because you're not, quote, Bay Street people? Nope. Nope. No. Although uh, I did spend a few years on Bay Street yeah. doing what I would consider Bay Street family law yeah. and working exclusively with rich people who could uh, pay, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars an hour for a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a, a different kind of practice, a, a focus on money, uh, a focus on property. And um, the, the, the issues uh, were, were, were quite different than uh, what we deal with day to day at our clinics. And Richard, you also, and that's where we first met a few years ago, you uh, are trained as a family mediator. Yes. So uh, in, in addition to, um, I guess, that Bay Street practice, I, I, I don't think I was feeding myself emotionally and I wanted to try something different. And uh, that's when I took up mediation training and uh, wanted to see people resolve, hopefully, their differences outside of the courtroom mm -hmm. in a less adversarial way. Right. I mean, it's a different template of interacting with people and also assisting them with regard to their challenges and tensions and their relationships. I, I just felt it was a, a better fit for me yeah. uh, personally and, and my personality. Uh, and I also did some collaborative family law as well, which, which again was a, was a better fit for me. Right. So working in a less adversarial mindset or approach where people, it's more, you're pitting people against each other. So you advocate for one side against the other side, and then it just tends to deepen the conflict in many ways, becomes more entrenched. It, it does, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I think the courts have a, a very, very important role to play uh, within the context of family law, uh, uh, perhaps the most important role to play, um, but not all Ontarians uh, need to go to the courthouse to resolve their disputes. Uh, not, not Most of them actually don't. Uh, if, if you look at the statistics, most of them don't ever actually go into the courthouse. And that's what we try to promote here, that people have options. They don't have to feel that just because they have an issue, especially in family, if their relationship is transition, transitioning from an intimate, whether it's common law, go from boyfriend or marriage, that you can try to work those out outside of the court system. Because once you enter into the system, you're going to give ownership up to a third party who doesn't know necessarily the nuances of your relationship. And so it just promotes this whole culture of position. You've got to promote one side. The other side feels that they have to counter that other side and elevate their level of position to the other side. So it just deepens that whole.
problematic approach, right? I was always a, a big believer in client empowerment and, and trying trying to allow my clients to make informed decisions, but let them make the decision. Let them put put them in the in the in the position to to make uh, informed choices. And when you go to court, even though the judges are uh, some of the smartest, most compassionate people I know, uh, why would you want to give that up to a third person? Right. What is Legal Aid Ontario? Legal Aid Ontario is a government agency I guess and they fund various legal services for people who have a low income so that takes various forms they fund our legal clinics the student legal aid societies service societies they fund community clinics they fund certificate programs where uh, people are able to get a certificate that will entitle them to the services of a private lawyer so and there are many other uh, ways that they provide services but those are some of the main ones and the areas of law that they uh, provide service or they fund services for range from criminal law, administrative law, so that's things like landlord and tenant issues, social assistance, appeals, things like that. Um, so family law, obviously, and immigration refugee law. Uh, those are the main ones. I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two, but those tend to be the areas that they focus on funding. And. I understand about this concept called poverty law. What can you s explain for the benefit of the listeners? What's poverty law? Well, I, I can tell you what it is in the context of our practice yeah. in downtown legal services. Uh, we, uh, the clinic is divided into practice areas. Uh, I am the family law lawyer, uh, but we also have a full-time criminal law lawyer, uh, an employment lawyer, uh, a housing lawyer and a refugee and immigration lawyer. We also have a, an in-house division that deals with uh, our University of Toronto students who have uh, problems uh, academically and if they have to launch uh, some sort of uh, appeal uh, with respect to an academic offense, we have a division that deals with that. So all of the sort of 60,000 U of T students um, get free legal services at our clinic in addition to the community uh, that we serve downtown. So it's, in, it's internal within the, the campus setting and also external for the public at large to access the services. Yeah, so all, all three campuses in Scarborough, Mississauga, and downtown uh, are served by downtown legal services and, and, yes, the downtown community. Right. And class offers a similar... Uh, we provide services to people who fit the financial criteria set by legal aid. And then we also are a second group of people who we are able to assist if their matter falls within our divisions that we that we have. Our students at York, because they all pay a small levy with their student fees, and so they're entitled to apply for services, and, um, and we can help them, like I said, if their matter falls in and we have the capacity. So not all the, there are a number of legal aid community uh, services around the province. In Toronto, there's a number two, though... There's only limited ones that specify with family law, for example. You guys both do that at each of your campus settings. In addition to, I think it's Davenport, Perth, community legal services. So I think uh, in, in the community clinics, uh, historically, family law was not usually something they did. I, I understand they are. Some of the community clinics are uh, starting to do some family law. And certainly every uh, SLAS, the Student Legal Aid Services Societies, er every single one of them that's connected with a, uh, a law school in the province, and that's the only way you get a SLAS, it also would, would be doing family law. What is the Student Legal Aid Societies, the services for that? 
how would you define that? Like and how is it different from, quote, the other kinds of community legal clinics in the province? Well, I, I can tell you our practice, uh, our family law practice at our clinic is very specific to um, uh, kids' issues, custody and access issues, um, child support or spouse's support. Uh, we'll work with people who need a restraining order uh, or people who have a uh, family responsibility office issue. Um, but we won't deal with divorce or property issues. Um, we won't deal with anything that has to do with child protection. Um, so we are, are very specific in our focus. And we only, if we have to litigate a matter, we're only going to uh, the Ontario Court of Justice at 47 Shepherd. So not the Superior Court, which focuses on divorce and property as well as child matters. Is right. And recently, CLASP, our structure, our service model has changed. And we are not going on the record as we used to. So we used to have identical programs, pretty much. Uh, now it's a bit different. We're not going to be going on the record for our clients. We will be doing more document preparation, legal coaching. We will negotiate on behalf of our clients with an ex-spouse or uh, the lawyer of the former spouse. And we are, this is a new service we're offering. We are helping people with uncontested divorces. And so that's really exciting because I think there's a need for that. Um, Is that the paperwork? That's the paperwork, but I think it can be daunting for people. And there's also a fee waiver that people can fill out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't know about that. So it seems, especially if English is not your first language, it seems like a very daunting process. So we're really excited to be able to help with that. And that just started last month that we're able to do that. Um, And so another difference is that we used to be restricted to cases out of 47 Shepherd, the Ontario Court of Justice there. We are now, because we're not going on the record, we are able to take on cases uh, outside of that courthouse. We just don't go on the record. We're preparing documents. We maybe will show up at support. We'll do uh, other things. And the other thing that distinguishes the SLASs from community clinics or other clinics is it's the student based so I think we've alluded to it but the clinics are run primarily by students and they're supervised very closely by lawyers and we also have social work students at both clinics who are social who are supervised by social workers and we can talk a little bit more about that but uh, so these are law students so at U of T or Osgood and they're coming out of first or second year they get intensive training and they're the ones who are the primary contact for the clients again under very close supervision of the lawyers, but they are the ones who are the face of the file. Right, and you mentioned about not going on the record. So for the benefit of the listener, when there's paperwork like an application, Mm -hmm. it lists the actual applicant and respondent, and on the right side it lists if there's counsel. Yes. So your names don't go on the right side. Richards would, uh, so they are still maintaining that. For us, the model that we're currently in, we wouldn't list our name. They'd be listed as self-represented. So it's part of, I don't know if people have heard of the unbundled services mm-hmm. movement, I guess. So it's going to look like that. And we will be behind the scenes preparing the documents for the clients to sign, explaining how to get them served and filed, um, letting them know what to expect at certain case or at certain appearances at court. So we're not, uh, like I keep saying on the record, which isn't that helpful, but we're not their uh, lawyer. So in the sense that, when you're on the record as someone's lawyer, the other side is going to be communicating with you as their as, as the primary contact. In our situation, they'd be communicating with our client because they still maintain they're the they're their own counsel. Yes, they're exactly. self-represented litigants. That's right. So usually, well, when there's a court matter and people have counsel, 
the communication about the legal process flows through the, the lawyers, the counsel. Exactly. When people are self-represented, they speak on their own behalf. Right? That's exactly, that's yeah, much better said, yes. <laughs> so, so then your service class does uh, go, you know, with um, Superior Court as part of divorce, mm -hmm. right? That's so right. you guys frequent there, whereas the University Downtown Legal Services goes to the Ontario Courts of Justice to specify that's 47 Shepherd Avenue East and also 311 Jarvis. Uh, just to correct you, Greg, we will not be going to 311 Jarvis. No. We'll, we'll only be going to 47 uh, Shepherd Court. Even though you're physically located down... Okay, I don't want to get controversial here, but, you know, that's a policy decision, of course. <laughs> uh, not my policy. Yeah, I know, I know. You don't have decision-making. I'm just wondering. Okay. Anyways, because there's a lot of people, obviously, of means, and talking about poverty law, this is to make, quote, the options of going through decision-making when relationships end from common law or married and there's children involved and you're dealing with child support, custody, access, or parenting time. We're trying to change that kind of language, too. Yes. Right. And so you're trying to help people forge better outcomes to help them empower themselves better. I, I agree, uh, Greg. Uh, one of the things I can tell you, though, is if you're forced to um, litigate a matter uh, in Toronto and you need the assistance of the Ontario Court of Justice, uh, you can choose uh, to go to 47 Shepherd, even if you live downtown. Uh, there's no requirement that you file your paperwork at 311 Jarvis Street, which, although it is a located uh, as a downtown court, you, you can choose where to go. Ideally. What happens, though? is that many court staff end up telling people you live downtown, mm. go to 311 Jarvis. Well, that's mm. interesting. So that, that is the, the push that is presented at the court setting. Right. Uh, the, the counter staff may be telling people that, yeah. uh, although I, I do think people have a right to file their papers where they Yeah, work. as long as they live within the uh, jurisdiction of and Toronto. Right. And perhaps if you, because when you take on a client and you're their lawyer of record, which DLS does on a routine basis, we are like the clinic is the one filing their documents so perhaps a little advocacy at the counter is happening and they're able to get the documents filed yeah and people don't realize that they actually have voice yeah so that's part of Absolutely. i think some of the advocacy that you guys help to give that sense of understanding to people that they do have that uh, opportunity to have their own voice Absolutely. And so part of our new model is trying to empower clients because we're not going to be the ones speaking for them in court, speaking for them when they're dealing with their former spouse. So we're giving them the resources and we're talking them through how to file a document. If you've never been to a court, it can be daunting. They might ask you questions you might have never heard of these words before. Uh, so we're trying to help people to navigate those processes. So whomever wants to talk about this, like what, what does your uh, clients look like? Not physically, you know, what are they comprised of? Um, so, uh, we already talked about the students of U of T and Osgo or yeah. of uh, York being part of our client base, but predominantly at, cl at CLASP anyway. Um, our clients are people who are uh, have low incomes, so for both of our clinics, if you are in receipt of OW, ODSP, you are automatically financially entitled to Ontario Works and Ontario Disability. Yes, sorry, yeah, that's right. And so that, because there's a financial criteria, because we're funded by legal aid, uh, part of the intake process is assuring us and providing proof that you meet our financial criteria. And if you are in receipt of social assistance, uh, you will be guaranteed uh, to meet that threshold. And then you must fit into one of the areas of law that we practice. So again, criminal law, family law, 
um, administrative law, immigration refugee law, and that, yeah, so within administrative law, I should say, it's housing law, social assistance, appeals when you've been rejected, um, and things of that nature, and human right, rights complaints, for example. Uh, at CLASP, we have priority groups what that, what that we mean? look at. And, sorry, my mic unplugged. And um, so some of our priority groups are uh, women survivors of domestic violence, people in the Jane Finch community, because that's where we are situated. Physically, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's... So we're, we're, a, we're a downtown clinic, Greg. So uh, our, our, our physical space is uh, pr pretty much right on the corner of Harvard and Spadina. And um, we... Uh, we have uh, a, a lot of uh, newcomers uh, as clients. Um, um, English is a second language for a lot of people who come see us. Uh, we have uh, interpretation services on the phone, in person, in writing, uh, whatever uh, people need in order to communicate with us. And um, but the, f the first, uh, the, the initial piece of business, if you're calling the clinic, for instance, um, is uh, is an intake call. So it's not a walk-in service per se. You can't just sort of walk in through the front door say, I have a problem, I'd like to see someone today. It's a, the first point of contact is a phone call. So you have like an intake counselor or an intake worker who would vet in some way to, you know, ask particular questions to see yep. what are you going through and are our service a good match or potentially? Yeah, we, tri we triage that yeah. person over the phone and, and try and figure out um, if their uh, problem is, is something we can uh, take, take on. And if it is, then uh, we invite them in for an in-person interview. And then from there, we, we can sort of uh, more clearly define uh, how we can help them. Is that the similar kind of process at CLASP? Yes. Yeah, it is the same process. And some, sometimes people contact us and they're not sure what, they're, no, they're not able to label what the legal issue is. They just know that they're, they've experienced this conflict or this poor treatment somewhere and they are trying to figure out what the issue is. And so sometimes part of the exercise at the very beginning when they're calling is to figure out what the legal issue is and if it falls into one of our categories and sometimes people come in and one legal issue turns into you know three different issues that we're able to help with we have a lot of clients um, who might have three different cases we call them cases every legal issue has its own case so we've had cases uh, like family law cases that and we've also had immigration and criminal cases for the same person so we are able to offer full service and just as I said before we also have the social work component where we have social work students who can work with clients if they want it's voluntary you don't have to but we have the services available if people are interested. Because both schools, U of T and York, have schools of social work as well. That's yes. right. So you get students from that program to be assisting and supporting the law students who are doing the work, exactly. a lot of the work. And, and sometimes social work takes the lead, right? Um, although we're a legal clinic providing legal service, depending on the intervention that's necessary, um, you know, social work can, can uh, take a quarterbacking role in, in a number of areas. Uh, and I'm a former uh, social worker uh, by training and trade. Uh, so I supervise, uh, I co-supervise the social work program um, at our clinic. And I believe Dana has a social worker on yes. staff. Yes, we have a, someone with a master's of social work who supervises the social work students. So I think it's, you know, a great opportunity for the law students to get the practical experience to work with clients and also provide and, uh, you know, assist the delivery of the program, the work that you do. Well, in, in so many things, we, we see interdisciplinary work. Um, 
and and why should law be any different right um, because we know that people's problems are not isolated necessarily to the specific narrow legal issue they're dealing with it's probably a symptom of something yeah. much much bigger that's going on um, and and so if you can look at it more holistically and uh, and say okay um, let's 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 break this down into you know it, there's a number of things happening yeah and I, I'm glad you talked about that you know holistically because people go through lived experiences and they intersect at certain points with the system and for example if they come to family court and they think they're dealing with this quote a family law issue then you delve deeper into the the backstory and you find out there's a whole history of other interconnected stuff i.e. like Dana's talked about with the immigration issues or criminal issues maybe there's a charge or landlord tenant issues because they're facing eviction because they can't pay they've been charged I mean there's so or many cross sections or all of them right? yeah and people are just burdened and you know the uh, generally our society people have this construct of the justice system as being us and them and people don't generally feel that they have opportunity to engage it in a, a very informed way you know people when I, I work with people at the court and they say why didn't they tell me to do that why didn't they do this I give people a sense that hey there's one rule of court it does nothing for people in the sense that the ownership the onus is on the individual to be curious and ask questions and inform themselves do some research because people end up struggling even more when they figure that quote the courts gonna do the service well you know Greg this is why I think these slashes are such special places uh, because unlike uh, a privately retained lawyer that maybe is on a certificate and only has a certain number of hours to service a client, um, when you're when you're at our clinic, there, there's no time limit. You know, if if it if it takes you an hour or two hours or three hours to uh, tell the story that you need to tell, we have that time. We we can give you that time. We're not curtailed, right? And um, I, th I think, and well, from what clients have told me, is that that is a very special thing to really feel heard and understood, and uh, it really uh, leads to uh, a, a great uh, bond between the students and the clients. And uh, the working relationship is is usually uh, much strengthened by that time. Yeah, and I, I think it, especially with newcomers, they may come from a society where the justice system is not necessarily the most trusted and coming into this society where we like to believe that it's more trustworthy that people do have an opportunity but there's an apprehension to get involved with the system and go into the justice system in any way so you can be an advocate for those people outside of the court system a more community-based approach absolutely yeah we work with different community agencies who refer people to us so sometimes we have relationships with the community agents uh, agencies and to try and help this one person through whatever it is because like we've talked about oftentimes the issues are intersecting and plentiful sometimes and so a team approach like let's say we have a case at the clinic and this person has several cases within class you have the social work student the two law students the two lawyers rep um, who supervise the students we might all have a meeting and figure out how we can how we can proceed sometimes more of a practical issue if there's a distrust in the system or you know, maybe there's a fear of an abuser attending at court. What do we do with that for the um, for our client? So, yeah. We 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 have a, we have a number of community partners that we see frequently that we go out to uh, that we spend time with. Um, 
we run satellite clinics with um, at, at DLS. We have uh, uh, the uh, Evangel uh, Mission, the Fort York Food Bank, and Church of the Redeemer as three one uh, three satellite clinics. And we're always doing uh, public legal education with our community partners, um, going to their uh, workplaces and um, talking to them about uh, their needs and uh, and their clients' needs. So explaining what you guys do and the options are and the services and seeing how they can connect with the potential of the clients that they serve. And, and we get and a lot bridge. of our, our clients that way. Yeah, and I was wondering how you guys each get your clients. Is it different from one another? Probably similar, just different services. I mean, we're very much folks in the Jane Finch community, even though we take people from all of Toronto. That's where we do most of our outreach and most of the community agencies that I've spoken about there within that area. Um, and word of mouth, uh, we do outreach in certain courts. I know our criminal law division, I'm pretty sure that they do intake at the Scarborough court. And, um, you know, there's a lot of outreach that we do. And that's how I recently connected back with you, Greg. It's, I was actually at the courthouse when I saw you. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and you had some of our pamphlets there, and a, a poster of yeah. ours, and you were asking, you know, for more materials. More, more materials. And uh, so it's, 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 it's things exactly like that where you say, okay, this is a person who can... Uh, reach out uh, on our behalf to other people and say, you know, don't forget about this resource in the community. I hope you were giving class brochures. Too. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I need some. Okay. We need yeah. some. So can you send us? Because sure. it seems like we're, we're, we have this sort of like limited opportunity with Richard's service. Okay, I'll make sure to send them to you right away. I, I, I wouldn't call it limited. I would <laughs> say all the opportunity you need is with us. Well, the whole idea is to help, you know, promote an opportunity for the individual who's going through the lived experience of conflict in some way in a relationship, that they have options. They don't have to always go directly into the court system. You know, there's inversion, as I mentioned earlier, to many people not to go into the system because it's their ex lived experiences of their past is what they provide as their current. So if they come from a country that they, it's corrupt, that's how they'll view it now. And that's why a lot of the court-based stuff doesn't work, per se. It's underserving. Because people don't come into the system. Because they're going to remain out in the community. And so reaching to where community, and this is how I understood from my own work with community development, you go where the community is. And you provide the service for them there. Well, you know, I, I, I do have a, a, a lot of confidence in our courts. Um, but, you know what, if people are not coming into the building, they can't be served. Right. If, if people, uh, you know, don't have confidence in in the system here, then uh, we, you know, uh, the court can't help them. So we, we, we have to try and find them, as you say, where they're at. And, um, you know, it's always my preference in, in terms of historically my practice and and at uh, the SLAS that I work at now, you know, it's to keep people out of court if if uh, if they can stay out of court. You know, that's always my preference, especially when children are involved. Um, you know, notwithstanding my great confidence with the judges and the courts. Yeah, and this is not to disparage in any way. This is the reality is that many people just go through lived experiences and they'll struggle with those and they'll get more complicated for themselves because they they see the options of going to court as not a non option. It's a non starter in some ways. So they're gonna go even with if it's not only family, it's immigration issues. They might go to somebody of the community who might not be trained well to get some advice who doesn't give them the best advice and then there it complicates their 
you know, if they're making a humanitarian application, for example, it, it's not organized. Well, our, our experience, Greg, is is where people have uh, sort of uh, sort of been their own counsel and sort of uh, used resources, other resources than the clinic. Uh, when they do come to the clinic and they go through a process, whether it's court-based or not, the feedback we're be, we've gotten is, um, I, I, I was heard, I was understood, uh, my thoughts and feelings were put forward. And for the first time, you know, I think it was in an organized, comprehensive, cohesive way. Um, and, and that's very meaningful to us. And um, it, it's a great feeling to have a client say that, irrespective of the process. Yeah, and I would put some points on this that the approach that you guys provide is more humane more compassionate more empathic in terms of people's lived experiences i hope that would be the goal always and you have students who are interested and engaged who are applying for these positions and they care so much these students are fresh-faced and they will spend hours and hours and hours doing something that a private lawyer accepting a legal aid certificate might do in 20 minutes because for various reasons, yeah. but they, the money is not there to pay for these hours and hours. So a student will sit with them, make sure there's an interpreter there, and a social work student, if that person needs the support, I mean, we really try to make it a safe space so that people can share in order to move their cases forward. We're with Richard and Dana, or Dana and Richard, both of them. I don't want to show any preference to either of you, because I care for both of you. <laughs> you Thank you, you, Greg. <laughs> so, so how... Have either of you or both of you been affected by, in a professional or personal level, by the work you do, this kind of work? I think, so I worked at a few private firms before, and the cases, I mean, there was complexity in the cases, and there were differences between the cases, but here, I've referred to before, but the intersection with other legal issues, when you're dealing with clients who are newcomers, or who are living in poverty, and so they have consistent housing issues or social assistance issues it's really it just makes you take a step back and see just see things differently um and to take and when you're dealing with the family law case um just being more cognizant of these issues so we can try and help them with it because if they're here for a family law issue maybe there's been um maybe it's led to an eviction or led to something like that trying to get people help for those things like when I was in private practice those things didn't really come up or people had the resources to hire another lawyer to deal with that but sometimes it's more issue spotting and trying or you to didn't even see it as your purpose that wasn't yeah. the mandate that you as a private practitioner so that's well put so I think I see my my role as just a little bit broader than it was when I was in pra private practice yeah for me Craig I um, I did a little bit of work for the Ontario Children's Lawyer so I, I represented children uh, who needed their own counsel in, uh, in courts, and uh, that was very meaningful work. Um, but prior to uh, coming to DLS, I would say that was the most meaningful work, work I engaged in. And, and now this work, uh, that um, I, I really feel like I'm having an impact, a, a, a substantial impact on, on people's uh, lives and uh, helping them with their uh, problems. Uh, and, the, and these uh, often are, are very difficult and seemingly intractable problems. Uh, and, and there's a multitude, usually, of problems. So the, the fact that uh, I, I can uh, assist somebody to get to a better place to um, to perhaps uh, feel a little bit better about where they are at and uh, to give them a, a plan, give them some hope, I, you know, that's, to me, the last four years since I've been uh, at uh, the clinic have been the best professionally four years of my life. 
And I would think, too, that many of your clients are struggling in many ways, not only with the issue that they come to hand with you, maybe there's mental health issues, in addition to the financial threshold that obviously there are limited financial means. I mean, domestic violence as well. Yeah, yeah. we, we, we uh, regularly uh, deal with, um, with litigants who have uh, mental health issues, um, uh, regularly uh, deal with uh, domestic violence in the cases that we see. Um, so again, uh, you have to be uh, very thoughtful about uh, how, how you approach these things and um, you know, how you approach them can have a huge impact on, on people. I know that if you show you care for the client, the client will feed off that and respond much more positively with regard to the assistance and support you're trying to provide for them. And I think it's also important that we're training up a group of students who will hopefully be more in touch with these issues when they themselves go into practice. I mean, I know not everyone is going not going. I know not everyone is going to go into family law, legal aid, or right. whatever it is. But I think just having that reflective practice in mind is a really important thing. Yeah, bring humanity into the practice and the profession. Right. Yeah. If I can, if I can help train uh, young lawyers, it's it's first of all, it's a real privilege, but it, it's it's. A, terrible responsibility right because they're often they're seeing you as the first lawyer they've come in contact with and you know they may wish to model some of their behavior mm -hmm. and uh, how, how they want to lawyer in the future so uh, I, I always think about that you're mentoring people mentoring. there too for sure for sure and so with the connection with the domestic violence is there something specific to class that in terms of uh, women or men who have been charged criminally we are able to assist, I mean, provided there's capacity and that's the type of case we take uh, and people meet the financials, we do assist people, both men and women, charged with domestic assault charges, ch charged with domestic assaults, yes. Right, and that, so again, that representation is no cost. That's right. So people know that if they... I guess we never said that, but it's true, yeah. Yeah, we, we no need cost. to clarify yes. that obviously the services are provided at no cost. Right, that's right. Yes. I mean, we can use the word free, though there is a cost somewhere. You're funded through legal aid, which is funded through the Ministry of Attorney General, which is funded through the taxpayers. Is yep. that the stream? So I, I think that is the stream. We, we are uh, funded certainly and, and primarily by the Ontario Legal Aid Plan. Um, I think both of us receive funding uh, perhaps from the Law Foundation, uh, from our respective universities and right. law schools. In addition, yeah. In addition, yeah. Though the, the primary thing is that the service provided to the user, the client, there's no cost to them. That's right. So that they can feel, hey, there's n that barrier is not going to exist for me. No, that that won't be a barrier, absolutely. And unlike the certificate program, we provide services till the till the end, yeah. and not just when a certificate runs out. So they don't even have to think about that piece. Yeah, which some of the certificates could be ten, eight, ten, twelve hours. Yes. Which is going to provide, you know, the lawyer to do as best they can, though within that kind of confine. It's very restrictive. Yeah, I used yeah. to take on legal aid certificates, and it was just, yeah, it had an yeah. extra level It's got of its reality. Yeah, yeah. But this is just so liberating because we can stay on a, we can just put as many resources as needed into a case, which is sort of luxurious in the sense that we're able to, and not for the client, but just for, to be a lawyer, to be able to provide, to spend the time, the hours that are needed. Yeah, so there's no barriers to you delivering the service, yeah, which per is se. wonderful, yeah. yeah. So, so what would you want people... What can you suggest for people who are going through or going to go through a family law process, especially as to having limited financial means? What can you give as a suggestion? Well, um, 
stay calm is probably the first thing. Um, there are uh, people and resources and organizations out there that want to help, that uh, can help, um, and reach out to them uh, because there's there there is expertise out there um, that in, in for our clinics, for instance, um, that are very keen to help. And you know, for uh, like right now, I don't have a waiting list. Sometimes I do. Uh, right now, I, I'm open for business, and anyone who calls in and uh, needs the service, we you know we can help. Um, so I, I encourage people to reach out. Um, that, that would be the, the first thing. And probably to visit one of the, I mean, even if you're not intending to litigate, there are a lot of resources available at the courthouse that you can mm -hmm. find out. But I mean, if you Google, you could find things too, but it's nice to talk to a person. And I know that you That's play that role sometimes. The Family Law Information Center. Family Law Information Center yeah. as a way of just uh, enlightening someone about what is out there. What their options are, for and sure. And there is a uh, quite a few services that provide mediation, either free or subsidized mediation, at least in Toronto. And I think that's hugely important if it's a case that's appropriate for mediation, uh, you know, it might be a good place to start. And it's also, I just want to say, even if you end up in court, you can always try mediation midstream sort mm -hmm. of, and try and uh, resolve your matter then. And a lot of cases, most cases don't end up in trial, so most cases resolve somewhere along the way. Yeah. And a lot of them happen in mediation after after litigation may have started. How about each of you share? Do you want to say something? Well, I, I would encourage people to go online because now more than ever, mm -hmm. there's there's so much information, uh, so much good information online to inform yourself about the, the process and you know what, what potential next steps are. Uh, Clio uh, has, a, has a website uh, called uh, Steps to Justice. Community Legal Education. Ontario. Ontario. Right. Yep. Steps to Justice. And if people go uh, go onto that website, uh, they can find their way. It's how, a about, great how about you share each of your contact information? Sure. Uh, Please. Well, uh, yeah. Or whatever for the organization? Yeah. So so we are downtown, uh, downtown Legal Services, and our uh, intake line is 416-978-6447. And uh, like I said, we're, we're located downtown at Harvard and Spadina. So... Um, but the, the first point of contact is the phone number. And CLASP, uh, Community and Legal Aid Services Program, is located on the York University campus at Osgoode Hall Law School. Our intake line is 416-736-5029. And if you want any more information, uh, we both have websites. Uh, you can go to downtownlegalservices.ca uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we have a full website there. Okay. And you can Google CLASP because I do not remember the website. Yeah. Both of you, great job. Thank you very much for helping and educate and inform us. Thanks, Thank Greg. Thank you for having us. And thanks. And there's still an opportunity for the comedy world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You're listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.